We've titled the series, This Is Us. Have you guys seen the TV show? Yes, no, maybe so. Anyway, second season started last past Tuesday night. It's a great show, and it's about a family that is sort of mixed, and they're convoluted, and you see them over time, and they have all these issues, but they're still a family. And their big motto is, Go Big Three. And it's just a great way to see how this family interacts and how they spend time with one another and how they deal with issues, but how the family always comes together around these issues. And we thought, what a great way to title this series, because we are a family. Really, Scripture describes the church more like a family than an organization that gets together to vote on things and just sing. No, we gather together because that's what the Word tells us. But we gather together, and we're really described as a family. That's the best description of the church. And the church that's described in Scripture is multicultural, multi-race, multi-ethnic church. And it looks more diverse than what you see on the screen. It's a lot more diverse than what you see in this room. And it's made up of people all across the world. We're all the church. We're all members of the family. Scripture calls us, calls us children of God. He is our father. Jesus is our brother, and we are brothers and sisters. We are family. And one of the things that you see in families is that families have values. Growing up in your family or raising your children, you'll have values. You have values that you pass along to the next generation, like love one another, and we tell the truth, and you don't get dessert until you eat your vegetables. Those values communicate something. They dictate behavior. If it's truly a value, you will change your behavior. You will make decisions to line up with the values that you see. And that's the hope of Scripture, is that as we see the values that Jesus gave his disciples, as that he gave this family, that those values would change the way we live, that would make us make decisions to line up with those values. And so during this series, we're going to look at the values that we see in Scripture. And we list seven that we're going to be looking at through this series, different ones each week. You'll see overlap and same ones different weeks. And you'll see values today, and you'll see values maybe that we don't highlight that you see in Scripture. But we're looking at worshiping. We believe one of the values Jesus gave his disciples is that we worship daily, not just here on the weekend, but we, life is worship, and that's serving. We serve one another here in the community in a way, and we also lead, and we're led. We also believe in connecting in small group, being accountable to one another, being reminded to remain faithful to the Lord, being generous as a response to the love that God has given us, and sharing the good news with the world around us, the people that do not know him. Those are values that Jesus gave his disciples to pass along to family members, to pass along to the generations. And one of the places they clearly articulate that is in the book of Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles, and it's written by Luke, the same author of the gospel, Luke. And Luke is really a historian, and he lays down the history of this early church as told in the book of Acts. And so we're going to spend the next eight weeks looking at eight different stories to see how this family lived, the values that they aspired to. We're also going to spend eight weeks during midweek in our small groups looking at eight different stories. So we're going to look at 16 different stories in the book of Acts over the next eight weeks to understand what it means to be the church, how we as a family are to live and interact with one another, and how we're to share the good news with the world around us. And so we want to do that today by looking at the book of Acts. Chapter 11. But before we get there, I would like to pray for every one of you and for this series. And also, specifically, if you're a leader 
of one of our This Is Us groups, I'm going to ask you to stand because we would like to pray for you as well. You're going, great, Tony. Not what I was planning on. Please, if you would. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for the spirit that's here, your son who's present. I thank you for the people that have answered your call to lead. I thank you for all those that have joined groups to be led. Father, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. We thank you for the values that you've given us. We thank you for the word that so richly instructs us. Father, I pray now for this series, I pray for your church. Not just this church, but your church around the world. And I pray this morning specifically that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be truly pleasing in your sight. O God, our provider, our example, our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them to Acts chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 19, and we're going to go through through this text sequentially. And on your sermon notes card, there's some things that you can fill in. Shows you that we're going to write down the values that we see in each section and the result of those values. What do we see happening as a result of these people living out these values? So we'll start in verse 19. Luke writes, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word among Jew, only among Jews. The persecution that, that Luke is speaking of is a time in Jerusalem earlier when the apostle Stephen was stoned to death. See, what had happened was it was spreading that Jesus was resurrected. And more and more people came to believe that he's, he was the Messiah, but that didn't sit well with the Jewish leadership. And so they tried to find a way to end this movement. And they thought, you know what, we're going to attack one of their leaders and we're going to accuse him of lies. And that's what they did. They brought him before the Jewish leadership and they said, this man is a heathen. He's been spreading lies. And they said, what do you have to say for yourself? And Stephen stands up in front of them and he preaches the gospel to them. And they were furious. And so they all picked up stones and they stoned him to death. And as a result of that, they sought to seek out other followers and persecute them and kill them and put them in jail and flog them. And as a result of that, the church scattered. And people left Jerusalem and went to places like Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. As a result of that persecution, they fled the Jewish leadership. But they didn't just flee. They went and they spread the good news to Jews only. To other Jews that lived outside of Palestine. Jews that had grown up in Cyprus and Cyrene and Antioch and those areas. But only to Jews. But then something changed. Those same men that went to those places started to preach to the Greeks, the non-believers, the people that didn't know and didn't follow Jesus. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about Lord Jesus. This was something brand new. They went to Antioch and they started sharing the good news, not with just Jews, but non-believers. And so men from Cyrene and Cyprus went to Antioch. Remember last year when we did a series called Yada, Yada, Yada? And we said, God is always at work around you. You need to find out where he's working and go join him there. That's exactly what they did. They heard the news about what was going on in Antioch and they went there. They were sent there, but they were sharing the good news with non-believers. Something completely different. 
But as a result of them following that value of sharing the good news with those that don't know him, that's our value in this section, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people turned and believed. When Jesus left this earth, as recorded in Matthew chapter 28, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples and I'll be with you. What do they do? They go to make disciples and what a surprise, Jesus is with them. The hand, the right hand of God is with them. And as a result of them living out that value of sharing and taking Jesus' command seriously to share that good news and make disciples, the Lord is with them. And as a result, a great number of people believed and turned out. That's what happens when we live in the will of God, when you do what God commands. How many of you have said, I would love to know what the will of God is for my life? Right here. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those that don't know him. That's God's will. And his promise is that when you do that, he'll be with you. That you're not doing it alone. That he is with you. But what started all this? The persecution in Jerusalem. Right? What those men in Jerusalem sought to extinguish Christianity, God used for good. What they thought would end Christianity, God used as a catalyst to expand the kingdom. What they meant for bad, God used for good. They didn't realize who they were up against. And so we continue. Modern day, we see the same thing happen as a result of persecution. China, 1949. When Mao Zedong and his Communist Party came into power in China, there were a million Christians estimated in China at that time. And their mission was to outlaw religion of all kinds, especially Christianity. They thought it was superstitious and it would weaken the, weaken the party. And that period between 1966 and 76, they sought to outlaw all public worship and everything had to go underground. And so they started meeting in house churches. They couldn't meet publicly. They secretly met in house churches. His regime ended in 19, around 1980, 1980. And the church came up over ground, above ground and it was much larger than it had been in 1949. And you know, in 2010... There are estimated to be 68 million Christians living in China. As a result of what Mao Zedong did by driving that church underground, God used what he tried to do, and he used it for good. And it's estimated to be one of the fastest growing areas of Christianity in the world. God is about his work. He'll always be about his work, growing his church and looking for people that will live according to his values. And as a result of people living according to his values, great numbers of people come to faith. It continues to happen, and it will continue to happen throughout time. Luke goes on to say that news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, that they're preaching to Greeks, and Greeks are coming to believe. And it says that as they sent Barnabas to Antioch, you've got to go up there and find out what's going on. When he arrived, he saw that the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas, one of the apostles, was sent to Jerusalem 
or sent to Antioch to find out what was going on. Barnabas means the great encourager, and it's no mistake that Luke describes him as one that encourages. But we see a value here. We see him encouraging them all to remain true to the Lord. We see accountability. He's going up there to remind them to remain true to the teaching of Jesus. See, what he's reminding them to is not to remain true to a bunch of, like, rules. No, we remain true to a person, to his values, to him. That's what he's reminding them of. He's reminding them to remain true to the person of Jesus Christ. Not to a set of rules, but to the person of Jesus. We're accountable to remain true to him. And as a church, we believe in that value, that we hold one another accountable, that we encourage one another to remain true to the teaching of Jesus. And I would encourage you to hold us accountable to our teaching, that if anything we teach doesn't reside in this book, that you hold us accountable and call us on it. Because our commitment is to teach what is taught in this book, to remain true to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so we teach what Jesus taught his disciples and what his disciples taught their disciples. And that was to hold one another accountable because great things are at risk. And what happens as a result of them remaining true? A great number of people were brought to the Lord. You start to see a pattern. They live according to the values that Jesus laid down. He's with them. And a great number of people come to believe. Luke goes on. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. I'm going to stop there. Saul. We know him as Paul. Wrote more than half the New Testament. But Saul was once a Pharisee. He was sitting, he was standing when Stephen got stoned. They, it's written in Acts that everybody laid their coats at his feet and he approved of what was being done to Stephen. He approved of them murdering him. In fact, it said after that that he went about the land breathing out fiery threats and persecuting Christians. And Saul met Jesus one day on the road to Damascus, and Jesus changed Saul. Jesus blinded him, but then opened his eyes to the truth of who Jesus was. And he sent him into a town to meet this man named Ananias, and Jesus told Ananias, Ananias, this man, this same man that's been persecuting and killing Christians, he is going to be my messenger to the Gentiles. Saul is going to be my messenger. And what happened was the church found out about this, the Jewish leadership, and they tried to kill Saul. And so the church sent Saul to Tarsus. They said, go to Tarsus and remain safe. And that's what he did. Now Barnabas goes to Antioch, and there's all these Jews, all these Greeks, all these Gentiles that are finding Jesus, and he's like, Saul. He's the guy God has anointed to reach the Gentiles. I need to go to Tarsus and get Saul. And that's what he does. He goes to Tarsus and he says, Saul, you need to come with me back to Antioch. And what does Saul do? He follows and goes to Antioch. And here we see this value of leading. God had called Saul, but he called Barnabas to go get him. And what did Paul do? He was led by Barnabas back to Antioch. The value of leading and being led is demonstrated in this story. And we see great things happen as a result of that. Because Luke goes on to tell us that so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul both taught in the church. A great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. 
See, Paul was willing to be led by Barnabas, and as a result, he ends up leading others. He ends up planting numerous churches throughout this land as a result of being willing to be led by someone else. And we see what happens as a result, right? Great numbers of people were taught. Great numbers of Greeks that didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior came to the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ because a few people were faithful to the values that Jesus had given them and the commands that he had given them. Living out the value that Jesus gives us, he promises to be with us, and as a result, great numbers of people will come to faith because of what he has done. And right here in this text, we get this idea of what it means to be a Christian. They're first called Christians at Antioch, and that word Christian means little Christs. And it's really where we get the idea of what we say in our mission statement, that we, are, we want to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus, to be little Christ to the world around us. And we further say in our mission statement, in our vision statement, that we want to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. And as we do that, lives will be changed, communities will be changed, and the world will be changed. As we live out the family values that Jesus has given us, he promises to be with us. And as a result, great numbers of people will come to believe. That's the mission he's given his church. That's the mission he's given his family, is to share that good news with the family, with the world around us, to grow the family. Luke goes on. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. What's really cool about Luke is that he's really considered to be a historian. He lists numerous people, over 110 people in his text, and he lists lists place and times and verifiable facts that you can go back and study through history and see the same things that Luke talked about in other writers, other historians. And other historians record this famine that happened in A.D. 46 and 47 during the reign of Claudius, that this famine did take place. But what we see here is that God sends a messenger to this young church. God is at work. And he's making known to them this need that's going to arise, to this faithful group of people. What do they do? The disciples, each one of them, every single one of them that have come to faith, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this, sending their gifts to the the elders by Barnabas and Saul. We see God sharing the need and the church responding with generosity, being generous with what God had given them. Now note this. The prophecy said that the whole Roman Empire would be struck with this famine, which included the church at Antioch. They themselves would suffer from this famine. Now, it would make sense, you'd think, in our modern times, that you just hoard what you needed because you were going to suffer this. But they didn't do that. They knew that the church in Judea, the Jerusalem church, would need help elsewhere because the Jews in Jerusalem were not going to help this young group of Christians. So it had to come from somewhere else. And that's what they did. They knew that they themselves would face a famine, but they knew God would provide. 
And so they were generous with their brothers and sisters, people they'd never met. It's said that you never look more like Jesus than when you're generous. And so we as a church believe in the value of generosity. Giving back what God has given us. Sharing what we have with the world. When God demonstrates a need, we respond. We see that throughout history. We see it most recently in the hurricanes. Reports that Christians have been outpacing the the aid provided by FEMA in in the hurricane-ravaged areas. We've seen that in the past. In New Orleans, where long after the agencies were gone, the church was still there, living out the values of Jesus Christ. And the church will always be there, living out the values of Jesus Christ. Because that's the mission Jesus has given us. is to share the good news with the world that doesn't know him and to be generous. To be little Christ in the world. You know, every year, for the last eight years, we've done this thing called Advent Conspiracy. And there's four tenets to Advent Conspiracy. It's spending less on ourselves, giving more to others, worshiping fully, and loving all. And so for the last eight years, we've taken on a project around Advent to provide for needs like clean water and building houses and other organizations, people that need from what we have. And this year is no exception. We're doing the same thing, except we're doing it a month early. We're doing it at the beginning of November. We're going to partner with Feed My Starving Children as a part of our Advent Conspiracy this year. To learn more about that, watch this. Hello, Trinity family. Every year in Advent, we seek to make a difference somewhere in the world by something we call the Advent Conspiracy. We spend less on ourselves and we give more to make a difference in people's lives. This year, we're going to do an Advent Conspiracy, but we're going to do it a little early. We're going to do it in October and November. We're partnering with Feed My Starving Children and two other local congregations, St. John's and Peace, both in Lombard. On November 4th, we're all going to get together at the Odium in Villa Park, and our goal is to pack 400,000 meals with Feed My Starving Children. Now, there's two ways that you can participate. One is you can actually volunteer to be there on November 4th. To sign up for that, just go to our website, tlc4u.org, and uh, look for the Feed My Starving Children event, and you'll be able to sign up to help that day. The other way, of course, that you can make a difference is by giving. You can do that also there on our website. Use the Give link, and uh, you can donate money to help pay for those meals we're going to pack. Or uh, you can write a check to Trinity and just indicate Feed My Starving Children on your check and on your envelope. I'm praying that God makes a huge difference around the world by providing many meals through us. I want to encourage every one of you to participate, to respond to God's call. There are, there are starving people all around the world, and we live in the most prosperous country in the, in the, in the entire world. God's called his church to be generous. And I would encourage you guys to join us as we go along. But maybe this morning you're sitting here and go, okay, so what does, that, but what does that mean for me? What does all this mean for me personally? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we sat together as a staff, and we asked one another, so what were the family values you grew up with? Share some of the things that you grew up with. And one of them said, this is our family, one of our family values. We always have room for one more. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you've not been here before. Maybe you're wondering, trying to find your place and wondering if this is a place for you. There's always room for you. There's always room for one more. There's always room for many more. 
We want to welcome you into the family. Make yourself known. We would love to talk with you and share with you what God is about, what He's doing, and how He can use you. But maybe you're sitting here going, well, you know, I don't know if He could use me. You don't know the things I'm into right now. You don't know the things I've done. Luke went to great lengths to remind us who Paul was. The things that Paul had done. God used Paul, Saul, to help change the world. He used sinful, fallen, broken, prideful man, humbled him, and changed the world through him. God uses sinful, fallen, broken people all the time to accomplish great things. There's nothing in your past, nothing that you're doing right now that would disqualify you from joining the family and being a part of this. God loves you just the way you are. But it's often said he loves you way too much to leave you that way. And so we want to invite you into the family. We want to encourage you to join the family. We want to help walk alongside of every one of us have pasts. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us are broken. There are no perfect people here. There are forgiven people here. But maybe you're also sitting here going, yeah, I've been around here a long time. This is just not my thing. You know, it's like maybe it's even passed me by. I've been around here so long I'm set in my ways. I keep hearing you say, join a small group, join a small group. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Well, maybe this is Barnabas' call to all of us, that it's time to get off the sidelines. See, when they sent Saul off to Tarsus, and then Barnabas went to get him, there were seven or eight years that went by. Did you know that? He'd been in Tarsus for seven to eight years, and there's no record of him teaching. There's no record of him planting churches. He was just hanging out in Tarsus until Barnabas went to get him. Maybe you've been sitting in Tarsus too long. This is God's call to you. This is Barnabas saying to every one of you, it's time to get into the game. If you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower, there's no option. We're called to remain true to the call that he's given us, that is to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize and to teach, to encourage one another, to be generous, to share the good news with the world around us, to connect in small groups. We're called to follow him. I want to close with looking back at this last section of text. This last section that talks about their generosity. Do you see anything that's missing here? As a result of what they did, do you see anything that's missing compared to the other verses? A great number of people right? But I would say I don't think it's missing. Because what happened was in Antioch, as a result of all of their obedience to God, Antioch became the hub from which all missionaries were sent into the world. Antioch became the hub by which missionaries went and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, the world was changed. And a great number of people came to faith. Look around this room, look around the world today. We owe that to these faithful people in Antioch who took God's command seriously. And as a result, great numbers of people came to faith. We as Trinity, we as the family of God here say we take these commands seriously. And our hope, our desire is that you would all join us so that a great number of people will come to faith. I'll say it again. This mission is not about following a bunch of rules. It's not about laying down the law. It's about a person. It's about Jesus Christ and how he laid down his life 
for the world. How he laid down his life for me and for you. So that you could share that news with the world around us. And these people gave up their lives so that we could get that opportunity to share that news so that a great number of people could come to faith. The mission of the church is about people. The church has a mission that God has given us. And we say, it's time. It's time. He's calling us to go and make disciples. And he promises to be with us each and every step of the way. I pray that you'll join us each and every week of this series and each and every week of the rest of your lives as we continue to go and make disciples following him into all the world. I pray that for each and every one of you for Jesus' sake. Amen.